think, yeah, okay, we're doing the mendi, we're doing the nikah, we're doing yeah. the valima, these are important things, but then what about yeah. the registration, which they leave out? Yeah. Hello everyone, I hope you're having a good week so far. My name's Sarah Khan Bashir and this is my podcast, Family Matters, where I explore some of the issues, the taboos and realities of divorce and separation in the South Asian community. Thank you for listening. So I've always been intrigued, you see, about the side of work, of the work that you do. And I know we've met off and on and you've sort of spoken to me about, oh, well, yeah, these are the kind of subjects that come up when you're... Because you get a real insight when you are in their homes and you see the dynamics in the home. I do, yeah. And it would be great to have a conversation with you about because there is two sides to the story. You've got one side, which is people making this fairy tale wedding and hoping and putting everything into it and thinking if I throw all this money at it, mm-hmm. it's going to be a happy ever happy, after. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the other side of people who can't afford all of that and, and are probably thinking that, you know, I'm going to have to borrow this kind of money because that's the expectation of society that yeah. if you don't have a wedding... If you don't declare to the world, look at me, I'm happy to get married. Or there's something wrong if you do it quietly. I mean, like I remember when I spoke to you earlier, when I said about women getting married and then Mm. either just having the nikah done or having the civil marriage. That, I think that's really important, what people don't understand now. Yeah. When I think what happens, they'll get married. Mm. But when the marriage breaks down... Mm. That's when they start to think, okay, what am I entitled to? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of the Asian women yeah. feel like, shall I do it? Shall I not? Am I going to get anything yet at the end of this? Yeah. Yeah. Will I lose everything I've got because yeah. I've, I'm legally, yeah. I'm not married in So England, do you think you know? that influences their decision to stay in an unhappy marriage? I think marriage? it does. I think it yeah. does. But I think it's for them to know whether what the nikah means and what, yeah. The the civil marriage means because we because try to do that so much we we started realizing that this is still the message is still not getting through. No. 20 years later, yeah. 15 years later. So we we've created some guides, we've done lots of awareness around it. And when you tell me that it's still not reaching people, mm-hmm. uh, and what we're talking about here is knowing that if they have a nikah in this country, which many people still do, as you probably know, because you're probably dressing them up for those nikah ceremonies, then how many of those nikah ceremonies do you think do they then go on to say, oh, Zayda, will you you do my makeup for the civil? Is there many of those that happen? Very, very few. Really? It's so rare now. Is it rare? It's so rare, honestly. That's, that is. troubles me, that, because yeah. I thought it would be the opposite way that they'd be realising that no. without that. I found in um, the Sikh yeah. religion, in yeah. their culture, they do It's have kind of automatic, right? Automatically, yeah. yeah, same with the Hindu yeah. community. Yeah. But not with the, um, yeah. the Pakistani That's very, culture. very sort of odd, isn't it? I mean, I, do you think they're confusing it? Because I know we get so many calls weekly from people who say, um, can you tell me, I've had a nikah in Pakistan or mm-hmm. Dubai or mm-hmm. whatever, can you tell me if that's valid? So the, the, the nuance there is that if they have that nikah in an Islamic country and it's accepted by that country, yeah. then it's a valid marriage. Then it's a valid marriage. So are they, think, are they confusing the two, that if you have nikah in this country, it's still valid? Do you think, yeah. or do they know that it's not valid and they're still going ahead and they're scared to say anything? Well, that, that's the problem, I think. It'd be good to create that awareness. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't know. They actually really don't know. They don't it's, know. It's no. not like... Because another thing I've come across is where 
again you'll have seen it you've got one girl you've got the whole family gathered around how is that girl i mean you you've done these these women up as brides if they if you turn around say if you turn around and said oh do you know that your nikah is not um valid so if anything happens to you you know you need some protection mm-hmm. so you need the civil registration just she was asking you and you yeah. said yeah actually yeah, yeah. you need it registered mm-hmm. Do you think she'd then be able to go downstairs or whatever it is and say to the family, actually, I want a registration? <laughs> I think that's, that actually probably depends on the, the girl, the, the bride mm. herself. Mm. I mean, um, some are quite outspoken. Yeah. And some won't say anything at all. It, right. it, it depends on the actual, um, the upbringing yeah. and how educated the, the, the woman is. Yeah. I mean, I've, obviously I do... Yeah. brides you know educated doctors in good professions yeah, you know yeah but then i do we really young girls who are only just turned probably about 18 and mm. they're getting married they haven't yeah. got a clue I they, think. Don't, they yeah. don't know yeah they'll just do what the parents say but then uh, i think from the groom's family I, i've found that the family that i've got a lot of estate very mm. wealthy assets and things assets and yeah. things that's where then they kind of hold back Thinking that okay, if she's legally married, she's entitled to yeah, well, fifty percent. That's that, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I do agree and with we, that because yeah. I know that when I went to see my mum in London a, a few months ago, she said, "Oh, will you speak to one of my friends? Her daughter's getting married." And I went, "Yeah, of course I will. Mm-hmm. What's the issue?" And the friend said to me, "Well, we've we've done gulbath, so we've we've done the uh, agreement, agreement that the marriage yeah. is going to take place. Yeah. The hall has potentially been booked. The the address has been ordered." Yeah. And now the boy's family have turned around and said, we're only going to do nikah, we're not going to do registration. registration yeah. So the mother, alarm, she didn't understand the whole consequences of it, but alarm bell started ringing mm. that, okay, my daughter, they won't do civil registration. So she said, well, why don't you do civil registration? And she said, hum karte. Mm. Meaning, it's not one of our traditions, we don't do that in our family. No family. When okay. essentially what the mother then found out was all about protecting his assets and the potential threat to them if the marriage yeah. broke down yeah. um and she was very worried about how how does my daughter get protected in all of this then where's definitely, the sort of guarantee for her in terms of you know if she comes out of this after spending all this money on the wedding you just don't know what to think really because mm. like i said everyone's different and if it was advertised i don't know how it'd be advertised yeah but now, like with you obviously talking about yeah you know the whole issue around marriages mm. uh i think it's just getting the word out you know yeah. and um, yeah but then i think do you know like when they book venues they book all these mm. um functions and then they just don't know what what the reality is behind it because they think yeah okay we're doing the mendi we're doing the nikah we're doing yeah. the valima these are important things but then what about yeah. the registration which they leave out yeah, which you know? which is is I know. I mean that that to me is obviously we get the tail end of it. We get it when it's all broken. Well, it's all broken up. That's when yeah. you get the air. We do, and, then, and we've we've had you know women come with their daughters who are very long, young, like yeah, you said, yeah. and they'll say we spent this much money. We hired some of them go to Pakistan, and they'll say we hired one of the biggest venues in Lahore. We paid for all this mm, food. Mm. We we essentially put all our life savings into this marriage. Yeah. And it's broken down within six months. Yeah. And we didn't have the protection of, you know, the civil registration, the civil registration in this country yeah. if the was done to, here. To be honest, I've come across where the woman's been wealthy. Yeah. And the groom. Yeah. Well, the, the man, he's got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be another... That's actually know? interesting you say that. We are Because I have come that. across... Yeah, yeah. A few women who I've met and they've 
got obviously houses on yeah. their name. They and they've only done nikah. They've done nikah, but then they've kind of thought about whether... Well, one person who I've uh, mm. I mean, I won't mention any names, but... No, we don't need she's, to. She's passed away now. She passed away during COVID. Oh, that's awful. So she's remarried. The guy was from Pakistan. He's yeah. come over. They yeah. were living together happily. Yeah. Died during COVID. Mm. But because she's had a civil marriage now, he... Is entitled, entitled to her estate, yeah. And now her family kicking off. Yeah. No, this is a common story. I've heard you know, this, yeah. That he's just been here two days. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. What are you supposed to do, though, you know? But she didn't have no children either. She didn't have any no children. No children. But I think that's where the will comes in now. That's it, absolutely. So that was the... So sort that's... Of, you, you know, you're right to bring that up because if you're in a situation where you've had nikah only and you either don't want to bring up the, the, the whole, or you can't bring up the subject of civil registration, then how else do you protect yourself, yeah. right? And the will is one of the ways of protecting yourself. Either your husband, if he's the one with the assets, yeah. you know, he has a will, yeah. so that you... Because people forget, if you've had a nikah in this country, you're not a lawful um, spouse. Yeah. So even things like making decisions when it comes to you know medical treatment or on death you know on funeral yeah. rights and then like you said on um inheritance mm-hmm. they're not the legal spouse so they are just regarded as a cohabitee yeah right someone yeah. who lives together yeah. so a will in a will a husband can put exactly who will benefit who if will he benefit, dies yeah. if he owns any property or assets yeah. he can maybe put them on on the yeah. wife's name these are all protections that they can do. Yeah. Um, and if they don't have a civil registration, it's a way of at least giving some sort of comfort that if anything happens in the marriage or on death, then the wife has at least got some protection mm. or some financial Definitely. security, yeah. which is what it's all about. Yeah. And I think that's another point as well where it's raising that awareness. Yeah. Because, okay, if the family don't agree, they don't want a registration because they think, obviously, they're going to inherit everything, yeah. then the next thing is yeah. a will. Yeah, it is a will, or, you know? or putting assets on their name. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the whole wedding thing because that, that's I find that quite exciting <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of issues where parents have gifted money because they're doing our community. The dowry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the dowry as well. But, you know, if they want to... There's two sort of sides to this. Is One, if their daughter or son are getting married, they'll gift them a deposit for a house, mm-hmm. quite a large yeah, amount. Yeah. Or they'll actually put the house in the child's name yeah. to, to say, this is the security, this is your, you know, what we're going to help you with so you start yeah. your married life off. And then it all turns sour and then the, the leaving spouse or the divorcing spouse says, right, I want my share of that house now. When in fact, it's, you know, the the family that have paid the deposit. Paid the have you deposit. seen any issues around that? Because we, we've, we've sort I of I haven't had... come across anything mm. at the moment, but um, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you... Because yeah. I'm, I'm probably in the, yeah. same, <laughs> in the same boat. You know, you want to help your children. You yeah. want them to, you know, get onto the property ladder. Mm. So you just help them. You, you do. Know. I think... It's traditionally in our community, yeah. we've said, and when I first started out in law with my own business, the amount of people that came to us and said, I want to buy a house for all my kids, mm-hmm. and this will be, you know, as part of what we'll give them for the marriage. But then when it all turns sour, and the other spouse says, I want a share of that, 
the parents then say, hang on a minute, we gave this to our son or our daughter. Oh, yeah. Why is the divorcing spouse entitled yeah. to a share? Yeah. So, you know, the, we, we do need to start conversations around, continue to do that if you want, but protect it and there's ways of protecting it. How can it be protected though? What would you say? So what, what I what? would advise, like, say if you were going to give or, or I was going to give one of my children um, uh, some deposit or something yeah. and I say, look, this is for my daughter because I've got three daughters then I would suggest something like a deed of trust. So a deed of trust Ah, actually says that, say my daughter and her husband-to-be buy a house together and I've given them a large lump Mm -hmm. sum. I would say, well, when you buy that house, don't buy it as joint tenants, Mm -hmm. okay? So a, a property lawyer will understand these terms. But essentially a joint tenant is that both of them own it together Mm -hmm. so if anything happens to one the other one inherits the whole lot yeah okay that's husband and wife normally own it but if you buy it as tenants in common that's like if you and i buy a house so Mm -hmm. if you if i pass away i don't want you to inherit it all i want my share to go to my kids so tenants in common is having separate and defined shares but we're buying it together okay so if i was to give say you know amani a lump sum and said money this is for your house Mm -hmm then I could say that I want you to buy it as tenants in common and have a deed of trust that says that I am giving you this money, it's not a gift, mm-hmm. and I will want that back should you sell this house or right, anything goes okay. wrong. Right. Um, so that can be drawn up after they've purchased? It would be at the time oh, of purchase. At the time? Yeah, okay, so the time of purchase, right. you will tell your property solicitor that mum is giving me £30,000 and she wants that back if and when we sell the house. This is just helping me buy the house. So he will have a deed of trust drawn up to say mum owns this many shares in that house or this value. If it's already been done and the couple have already bought the house, Mm -hmm. then what I would suggest you do is if it's it's in joint tenants, then change it to tenants in common. So you've got separate and distinct shares. And also maybe the parent who's given you that a lump sum registers a charge so like a mortgage would register a charge right, yeah. so if anything okay. happened to that property if it was sold then obviously that charge holder mm-hmm. would get their share first god there's so much to it though there's there? so yeah. much to it but you know it's it's you're not losing out so yeah. if the husband and wife say well you don't trust me why are you doing it tenants in common it's not a trust issue because you both still own equally own the equally, house yeah. it just helps you that if things go really ugly then you have got your own defined shares. Definitely. Whereas yeah. we get the messy side of it where people come to us and say, we're, we're joint tenants, mm-hmm. you know, I want my share separating, my dad's given me this much, the husband is now saying I want a part of what your dad gave us. Yeah. And it, it costs even more, to put yeah, it right, and yeah. it costs thousands in taking the matter to court, litigation, upset. You're already upset because the marriage has not worked. And then to add insult to injury, you're then now fighting over, you know, property and money matters. And it, and it doesn't help. I mean, mental health is something that needs to oh, be considered, yeah. you know, well, and yeah. especially in today's day and age, yeah. there's so many factors affecting is, mental health. Is. Um, I mean, in the earlier podcast we did was with men, you know, young men and a counsellor who deals specifically with young men, young Asian men and, and mental health. Mm-hmm. And he said the dynamics that they're having to deal with between mother and daughter and wife and daughter-in-law yeah. and being stuck in the middle of it all is just having a massive effect upon God. 
you know, the society know. that we're living in. Um, but you know what it is, Zydra, is we're not talking about these things. And that's why I'm trying yeah. to, by having these conversations, to say, look, we have issues, right? We it's can't raising pretend. that awareness, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you were saying that you've, is there some kind of law that you've got now or to do with the nikah? Yeah, no, so. What was it? I can't remember you so said no something. So no fault. Well, we're talking about no fault divorce. Yeah, I think okay. you mentioned uh, So, something. So with the nikah, if you're talking about the nikah, the awareness around that is, and I think this is the conversation we had, mm-hmm. is that we talk a lot about the whole, and I've and I've sort of penned this episode, Lengar's loans and Lamborghinis. Yeah. Because that's what I see. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I see. And the importance on a marriage, the excitement around what am I going to wear? Who's going to do my makeup? Obviously, Zyder. <laughs> Who, who's, my brothers are going to hire all these cars or my cousins. And as a, as, a, as a gift, it's like, we'll hire you all the Lamborghinis, right? It's all about the creating a show for this wedding. But you put probably put more effort into buying a house than you do into considering what your marriage is going to look like. Okay, so what I mean yeah. by that is that you look at your mortgage offer, you'll consider how much you've got to pay monthly, yeah. what will happen if it goes wrong, who's going to be responsible, am I buying the right house, do I like... You know, all of that. There's so much work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a marriage, I don't see many couples giving consideration to what is our marriage going to look like. It's a simple... A priest imam comes along with his nikah certificate and name of groom, name of bride, name of witnesses, name of father of whatever, job done. Job done. Kabula three times, I accept, and that's it, job's done. What we need to get out there is that, I mean, Pakistan, for example, because we're working with a lot of lawyers in Pakistan, and Pakistan have created a 26th clause document as a nikah contract. I think that's what you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a 26th clause. It's 26 clauses in theirs. And what lawyers were finding is that in Pakistan in particular, they were getting couples or actually one part of the couple, mm-hmm. husband or the wife, usually the wife coming to them and saying, my marriage is dissolved, but I don't have any uh, grounds on which to um, have a divorce. My husband won't give me the talaq. talaq right. So the conversations I had with the lawyer started from the fact that in the nikah contract, there's actually a clause in there that allows a woman to ask for talaq. Not for mm-hmm. khulla. We oh. all sort of know what khulla, khulla is. is yeah. So khulla is where a wife applies for separation or end of the marriage. Yeah. And if she applies for that, then the ruling is that any marriage gift she was given that we call the hukmer, yeah. she'll have to give part of that back. back. Okay. For some women, that's quite substantial. They can't afford to do it. Mm-hmm. But the, the nikah contract also gives the women a right to talaq. Right. So she doesn't have to forego the khulla. But we've been told that a lot of imams and families of the grooms mm-hmm. remove that clause from the contract before the, the bride has even got a chance to see it. Really? So she doesn't have that right. Mm-hmm. There's a, an imam that I work very closely with and he deals with these kind of cases on a regular basis. And he was saying that one lady came to me and her husband was an alcoholic terrible drug abuse mm-hmm. she, she just tried her best could not make the marriage work and he wouldn't give her a talaq because of the substantial amount of hukmah involved she financially couldn't get out of that marriage oh. because of the hula situation okay. so she bought the nikah contract to this imam and he had a look at it and he said who drew up this contract and she goes my dad my dad had a lot of involvement in it mm-hmm. and he goes well your dad has actually looked after your interests and he's kept that talaq clause in there right. so you're able to ask for a talaq yeah. without foregoing your um hukmer. so that's mm. the power of you know making sure there's clauses in there's either that determine 
So another breakdown of marriage we're seeing quite a lot is uh, the husband taking a second wife. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We get that a lot. Yeah. In every nikah contract, the groom is asked if he has permission. If it's a second marriage, he's specifically asked, does he have permission to marry? Right. And if in his first nikah contract, his wife has said he doesn't have permission, then he can't marry a second time. And that's just a nikah? Yeah, that's in the nikah contract. The contract. You can say in that contract, anything that is reasonable and not against Sharia, you can put in that contract. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like a prenup. Prenup, yeah. It's actually yeah. just as good as a prenup yeah. because it's actually enshrined in Islamic law. Whereas a prenup in this country, it's not law yet, mm-hmm. but it carries a bit of weight. weight so a judge yeah. can sort of say, well, if this is what you decided when everything was okay, I'm sort of going to try and follow it. Mm-hmm. So the nikah contract itself is so powerful and can define, you know, you can say in there whether the wife is allowed to work, whether she wants to live with in-laws, anything. I didn't know that. You can put anything in there, yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to get conversations around that happening. So young girls, like you say, who come to you, I want them to say to you when you're doing their foundation, Mm -hmm. I want them to say to you, Zaida, I got hold of this nikah contract and I've had a conversation with my husband-to be about it and this is what we've decided and this is what so I want them to have more control, control. over what their marriage is going to look like. Mm. I want it to be as equal as choosing the dress and choosing the the You're the absolutely venue. right that is so important. You know Honestly, because it's it is so important. It's such a And there is time because when the bride comes to booking. Yeah first thing they'll do is book the venue yeah and then that's when they start booking yeah the photographer the makeup artist yeah. obviously they're looking for clothes but then that's so mm. important it really it is, is because so it defines to know yeah yeah and it also i mean i don't want to be as bold to say this tell me what you think <laughs> but it <laughs> might even prevent some marriages from breaking up breaking because up, the, yeah. the wife has a bit more control and power to be able to say hang on a minute mm. if this is what you agreed in in our nikah contract yeah. i know what my rights yeah, are yeah. rather than well i'm getting married love again you can do what you like what you, you like. know which is yeah, which is yeah. what we get to hear yeah. is that this is what he said i, I have, have to either like it or lump it mm. i have no say in it so we're trying to balance the whole cultural shift around you know who calls the shots i suppose in in marriages and do you know I've not come across this and yeah. I've not ever obviously even I've met solicitors before mm. but I've not come across anyone well you know what it's not like it's so important you're it just is. so right because like you said it's not all about these lavish weddings and mm. just spending money yeah yeah I mean by all means do all, so you know? it's lovely yeah. because we like to yeah. see them we love watching your reels where you do the makeup <laughs> absolutely stunning they really are the, the reason why you probably don't see solicitors talking about it is because their job is when marriages go wrong, go wrong. right? That's yeah. where they're going yeah. to make their yeah. money, right? Definitely. But for me, I work slightly differently and I believe that, you know, I've been given this opportunity. The Almighty has put me in this position and he's mm-hmm. going to say to me, Sarah, you know, you had that influence, you had that positioning. At the end of the day, they're going to have children. Yeah. And at least the parents know. Yeah. Parents who brought us up back in the 60s. Yeah. Or when we were raised, yeah. you know, during the 70s. I'm not aware of anything like this. You, you, it's so, funny you, know? you should say that because I was married in ooh, 1990, right? So my dad was first generation. First generation. So he yeah. came here in 1962, 60, yeah. 63, yeah. whatever it was, then got married and, and mum came over here. And I was born in 1968. But when it came to my marriage, and I had an arranged marriage, as you know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, we had a mutual friend who knew both the families and introduced us, and that, that's it, yeah. the rest is history. But there was no question in our household no. about 
um, a registration. No. It was natural. It was like, an, and yeah. I don't know why, yeah. Zayda. Yeah. I don't know why. My sister-in-laws, who were married earlier than me, mm-hmm. they both had registrations. It was a normal thing, yeah. and they were from Bradford. Yeah. I was born and raised in Sheffield. I mean, I remember when I've been doing this job 24 mm. years now, yeah. and registrations were more common. Really? In the... Basically, that's so interesting. Late, well, when I started in '97, mm. I were doing more registration brides yeah. than I am now. That's so interesting. So it's gone the opposite it's way. It's gone the opposite way. So it could then be a real conscious decision yeah. by couples. And I think it is. It's just in the Pakistani culture, but I'm yeah. still doing brides like registration brides for yeah. the Sikh families, yeah. Hindus, but yeah, not the Pakistani. That's that's very very um, interesting to hear that it's gone the opposite yeah. way. Even though there is because this information that we're discussing is not new. It's out mm, there. It's out there. It's just yeah. whether they choose to accept it or not. Yeah. But you know, all I can do is speak out about the the clients that we get and. Mm. It's heartbreaking when you see women who have put 25, 30 years into a marriage, into a marriage yeah. um, and if they haven't registered, I mean, we, I had a story of a couple of months ago where a client, she'd 23 years she'd been married, it was his second marriage, he'd got divorced from the first wife, so she, this um, client then had a nikah and moved in with him, mm-hmm. started paying the mortgage, started doing the house, had a... Didn't have any children, but had a lovely life, you know, according to it. He then goes to Pakistan on holiday, dies of a heart attack there. Her adult children, or his adult children, I should say, from the previous marriage, Mm -hmm. came back and said, right, we're taking over this house, it's our dad's, it's in his name, and uh, you've only got a nikah. He wasn't actually properly divorced from the first wife, so technically he's still married to our mother. So we're, we're taking over the house. And she was beside herself. Now, other than going to court and launching a very expensive legal battle, because mm-hmm. when you don't have a civil registration, so you don't have the legal protection, yeah. there is still a way of claiming your rights. It's like um, going to court via the civil route. Okay. Essentially, you have to get the court to declare that you've got an interest in that. Right. But it's a long and very expensive process. Can it can be yeah. done, but, yeah. you know... Wrong what, having... what proof is that? Is it just the Nikarnama that they no, need would to be, show? What would you have to show? It would be more. It? You'd have to show that you have actually financially contributed to the right. house, that you live together as husband and wife. Hopefully somewhere there was a declaration mm. by the husband to say, yeah, half of this is yours or mm. I would want to give you but this if house. If there's none of that, then... It's very, very difficult. It's very mm. difficult. I mean, I can't make a decision, you know, unless there's information and evidence and a judge would find it very difficult if he, you know, t- to make a sweeping statement that you're not entitled to anything after 23 years. But just proving that is going to be long and expensive. Rather mm. than having the protection right, you know, the Matrimonial Causes Act, that's the act that protects um, women and men's <coughs> rights on marriage. And that's what we're trying to get across. So there must be something else, Zyda, that we are not considering or are aware of that is causing the, the shift the other way. Because there's, there's huge campaigns. I know there's been a campaign called Register Your Marriage. Right. ROM, sorry, Register Our Marriage. Okay. Um, that has been run from um, London but was a national roadshow telling you the importance of registering your marriage. I think they were even trying to get the Marriage Act change because at the moment, if you are if you have a Jewish marriage or a Quaker marriage, and I think it's an Anglican marriage, those can be registered automatically without a civil registration. Right. So their argument is, why not Muslim marriages? So there's lots of campaigns and awareness around it, 
But if you're saying that you're actually doing less registration brides than before, then it may well be that it's an issue all around assets and protection of that. And and you know, for me, to be honest, there's no force or, you know, there's no coercion on anybody. You must do this. I just want people to be aware, you know, so if they're the bride or the groom, as long as they say, yes, we understand what a registration gives us, gives us yeah. and what it what it doesn't if we don't have yeah, it, yeah. but this is still our decision. So that it's an informed choice rather mm. than, you know, the ones I get ringing me saying, I didn't even realise my marriage. And like you said earlier, it's a cross-section of the community. It is, it is. It's, it's professional women as well who are unaware, who, who start to believe that, oh, <laughs> Because of Nicole's re- legal marriage in overseas countries, it's, it must be legal here. Must be legal. So that's the, that's the, yeah, so we will do our best to sort of keep doing that. So tell us some, some what we all want to hear is about the whole, you know, the marriage and the, you know, what are the trends these days in terms of, you know, girls getting married and the... I think a lot of it revolves around social media now Oh, as does well. it? Is that a big influence? Yeah, it's a very big influence. I think mm. people want their weddings to be... On social media, they want it to look good on Instagram. Yeah. And I, f- I find that, I do. Wow, yeah. okay. Um, and in terms they, of the going, these, yeah, they're going, does it matter? They're going, like, buying designer dresses. Yeah. They want, obviously, designer jewellery. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, once the pictures are taken, they like it to be shown and they want people to see what they're doing, yeah. you know. But then I think it's just the same again, like you said, how much they've got to spend, mm. you know. If some girls who want that, they will take out loans. Yeah, right. You know, well, people who don't have it, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, during lockdown now, during COVID, mm. uh, I found that a lot of families were happier with smaller weddings. Yeah. Obviously saving a lot of money. Yeah. It achieved the very, same purpose, did it? <laughs> it did. Yeah. It definitely did. Yeah. And they were just having the nikah and, uh, you know, very kind of uh, close-knit family, mm. just like the main um, was it a good excuse members? for them not to have to have these big weddings and did they feel less pressure then definitely because yeah. I, I think you know I know of like you know people that have taken out and families actually fathers that yeah. have taken out immense loans yeah. to, to cater for what yeah. the you know the wants of the I think that's what is I found I've met brides where mm. they've said we, I've always wanted a small wedding but my parents wanted to have a lavish wedding right you know yeah. so um, it's end of the day is, is it the parents that want to show yeah. this world that we've got yeah. money and we want to have a nice yeah. big wedding for our children or is it is it the bride and groom? Is it certain communities, you know? do you think, within the South Asian community? Is there certain, um, like, um, demographic or tribe even that because they have got... I know that some communities have got a lot of extended family here mm. and some haven't. Yeah. Do you no, see that? No, I think that? it varies. It's, it depends. I mean, like, you've got families from Karachi, mm. Lahore, Islamabad, yeah. but then you've got Mirpur, Jhelum, and, mm. you know, it just depends because I, I find with some brides, when I'm doing them, they've got style. You know, they know what they want. They want to go out. They'd like to travel to Pakistan, go out shopping, right. buy all okay. the best of, yeah. best of the best, you know. And, yeah. But then you've got some who just want don't want to spend too much. They want just that day over and done with it. Just the main concern <laughs> is the nigger. Yeah. They want to be with their husbands and not bothered how yeah. much really, you know. Yeah. It doesn't have to be costly. But like you said, it's important to know what's going to happen after that. Then. Yeah, of course it is. For them to know. Yeah, what, what just they have you know, full security and full know security. what they're getting into. Yeah. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And, the hard bit Zydra d- to talk to people about this is mm. nobody thinks that their marriage is going to end. Yeah. yeah. You don't go into a marriage thinking it's going to end, do you? 
It's but can you imagine me talking to my brides when they come for a consultation and I start yeah. discussing this? Yeah. They'll I mean, be like, you're right, Debbie Downer. Yeah, they're what are you talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it would be really important to raise that awareness yeah. and I'd love to do that. Yeah. I would. Well, Honestly, any, you know? any way we can do that. Yeah. I mean, like, before having this conversation with you, I was thinking I'd love to just do a question and answer session mm. with you, just like we did today yeah. on an Insta Live. Yeah. Because obviously you've got a lot of followers and they're going to be... That'll be a, an, an ideal way of getting a message across yeah. if that's something you, you want to do. But if that's something that doesn't appeal to you, then I don't know. That there'll be so many other ways you could maybe signpost them to the guides on our mm, website. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Just so that they Definitely. consider it. I think it. It is, it's really important. Yeah. Uh, and if you change one person's life for yeah, the better, then, yeah. you know, you've done so much to help that individual. No, no, definitely. And give them yeah. the courage and the strength, I suppose, to bring up these conversations. Yeah. Because when everybody's talking about, oh, you know, that we've all agreed, the next thing, rather than the venue and, you know, the cars or the makeup or whatever, should be... What is going to be the conditions of the marriage? Of the marriage what is the yeah. marriage going to look yeah. like? And yeah. how are we going to protect both the son and the daughter? Yeah. Because we're talking about both here. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think it just still probably does get mentioned because, mm. like I said, I've been to do Valima Brides where the couple have bought their own house. Mm. And then obviously discussing when you start chatting with a bride, you know, she yeah. said that was one of the conditions. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> this uh, my parents said that you know yeah. he has to have his own house. Yeah. Uh, before we get married. And yeah. So my dad actually said actually. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So it, it it's not that it's not discussed, mm. but I think like you said, the nitty gritty getting down to yeah. legally yeah. what what they can do if it break if the yeah. marriage breaks down. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's really important. And it's that's what, like, I think it's not a lot of people are aware. Well, women are not aware yeah. of it. Because for me, you know, I've always wondered, in history, this has happened, right? Mm. Since time began, yeah, yeah. relationships have broken up. For me, I just think it's, if something's gone wrong, it's bad enough. But why can't we use what's gone wrong to help someone else? And that Definitely. is my message is yeah. that, look, what do we know through either our own experiences or dealing with people in this yeah. situation to make sure that the next person doesn't have such a rougher ride, rough ride. I suppose, with yeah. that. And, and I honestly firmly believe that if they go into a marriage, and this course is designed, Zaida, there's actual oh, courses designed for couples who are going into marriage about marriage expectations and what to do in that marriage mm-hmm. and what you, you know, what, what you can, all of that. So, you know, people take this really seriously. And that's it for another episode of Family Matters. If you've enjoyed the conversation and found it helpful, I hope you can share it with a friend or family member who might need to hear it right now. And if you're new to my podcast, check out my other episodes or follow me on Instagram at sarahthelawyer98. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.